0: Hey guys, for this week's podcast episode, we have Danny Silk, who's teaching at last year's conference. It's gonna be awesome. Hope you guys enjoy. We live in a time where masculinity is shamed and men don't know what it means to be a man. As a pastor and counselor, I've spent the better part of my life equipping and training others. My goal with this show is to translate my hard-earned experience into tools and tactics to help you become stronger as a man. This is the Brave Co. Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Ballanty.
1: Oh, wow. So good. So good to be here. Thanks for coming, gentlemen. Yeah, it's, a, it's a, such a privilege. Such a privilege to share air.
0: <laughs>
1: in kind of a weird way it makes us one, you know. I, I just I just use that air that you just sucked in. I don't know, I feel closer to you. Very cool. I am uh Always humbled to stand before leaders, kindred spirit. I'm always humbled that people would care what I think. You know, it's a it's a weird thing. I'm from Weaverville. Come on, it's You know, and. Uh, grew up, I was 21 years old before I ever left California. I grew up not knowing anybody with a passport. So the idea of greatness and eternity and all these things didn't even dawn on me until I got saved, until I met these guys. And uh, then all of a sudden... I realized there's so much more expected of me than I w- knew was possible. But there was so much more available to me than I knew was possible. So uh, I say that to say it doesn't matter where you're from or what you've been through up until this point. It is, it's, it's really, it's really important though that you do figure out that you were created for greatness. Uh, and that Even if you don't expect great things from yourself, your family does. I do. And you need to surround yourself with people that expect great things from you. Because there are times that you're just gonna forget and need somebody to walk up and just kick you in the butt and say, we need you. Come on. So that's what we're here to do. We're here to k- kick each other in the butt and and remember some things. And so I, I want to talk to you really about being men of, of great heart. There's uh, there's a war going on in the spirit realm and it is, it is really to distract you from becoming men of great heart. Wow. There's a temptation for you to become a man of great intellect and to know everything. And if you're a young person in this room, then uh, you, you are the target of this agenda. Uh, I I cannot believe how many young men know everything. I I was stunned. I mean, uh, like, wow, look at you. How do you get your head off the pillow? Gosh, I'm so impressed with you. Tell me about another YouTube video you watched. Send me the link. <laughs> See, all knowledge does really is puffs up. Just, just makes you. It makes you uh, uh, disgustingly rigid. Because, because it's arrogance. It's arrogance when we just when we just know everything there is to know. It's, it's arrogance. And that's, that's one side of the war. One side of the war is to make you God's opponent. See, God is opposed to the arrogant. You get into a, a cycle where you think you're smarter than God. I mean, that's smart. That is smart. Congratulations, you did it. You're smarter than God. And the other side of it, is to fuel your appetites. For your appetites to rule you. Today in society, we call it passion. That's not my passion. I'm not passionate about that. I don't want to do anything Is isn't my passion. Well, then don't do anything. Because most of what you do isn't your passion. Yeah, that's true. That's right. The Bible talks about how our stomach becomes our God, our appetites become what we're most orchestrating, we're most tantalized by. It may be a little early for C.S. Lewis, but without the aid of trained emotions, the intellect is powerless against the animal organism. There's a war between your intellect and your appetites, between your mind and your gut. And the thing that's the regulator is your heart. What have you done with your heart because out of it flow the issues of life? What have you done? What are you doing to command your heart? Because your spirit man regulates the two things that unattended will destroy you and everyone around you. I'm so smart. I'm always right. You are. You're right. You're right. You're right there on the couch tonight. Again. You're so right. It's got to feel awesome to be that right all the time. Wow. Look at you. High five yourself because nobody else is in the room. Appetites are just out of control. Yes. I just can't, you know. I can't stop touching myself. I can't touch. I can't stop touching myself. I got a wiener and I can't let go. You <laughs> Let me, give me show you. Let me show you. It would have to be a demonstration. I'm willing to destroy my life pursuing my appetites and making sure that they are the priority over how they affect anybody around me. So, your heart is your regulator. Your spirit man, the maturity of your spirit man is the regulator of these two very much key components of a man. A man is, is, is a brilliant animal. It really is. And, and we need you to be. We need you to be a brilliant animal. You're created in the image of the lion. You are created in the image of the lion. Don't let that get out. So it becomes super important that we understand that my heart is my place of stewardship. It is, it is, it, it is what makes me valuable to the people around me or unattended, it is what makes me so destructive. And and then I'm easily accused of being toxic. And everybody can chime in and go, yeah, yeah. What they said, what the accuser said, yeah. So the whole world is screaming toxic masculinity. Why? Because of weak hearts. Because of weak hearts. Because of weak hearts, the biggest problem in the world is fatherless homes. Biggest problem in the world. And who is the, the, the one who suffers most? It's the people that depend on us the most. We've abandoned our role protecting women and children in society. Yes. Why? Because we're so dang smart, and I can't take my hands off myself. I'm not talking to anybody in here. I'm just saying. So when we ask ourselves, what, what is, what's, what's driving this problem? I, I think it's that we lost our courage. I think men are discouraged. Men are discouraged and confused about who they are and whose they are. it's it's a war it's 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 a strategic plan that you would be discouraged it's it's not an accident that that the whole world wants to strip you of your purpose for being alive so collectively we we stand in a a generation we stand in a season of life when we're not sure how to happen I'm not really sure how to happen is that misogynist if I do it that way if I if I'm kind to this woman if I'm gentle if I'm if I am uh, chivalrous am I being misogynist maybe that's what it is maybe she doesn't want me to do that I don't know Maybe she hey, you pay the bill. I don't care. Maybe that's what it's supposed to be. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm supposed to be way more feminine, get in touch with my feminine side. Maybe somebody breaks in the house. Maybe I should wake her up. Honey, go see who it is. <laughs> I'll get the kids. Here. Here's the pillow. (laughs) We're kind of confused. I just want to tell you guys that your, 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 your call in life you're, you're to be troublemakers, man. You're, you're supposed to have a deep, meaningful relationship with trouble. Hello, trouble. It's been a while since we last met. But I know you're still out there. And I have a feeling you're looking for me. I'd forget you. Gonna hold my body down. Gone down to the river, Gabriel. You put you
0: on the land at sea. Gabriel, don't you blow that trumpet. Till you hear from me. Ain't no grave. Gonna hold my body down. Ain't no grave. Gonna hold my body
1: down. Perhaps it down. is you that has forgotten me. I need to come find you remind you
0: who I am
1: it's a Gerber knife commercial so <laughs> it's pretty cool it's pretty cool I got three things I want to talk to you about first thing is Courage. I think we've heard that word about 18 times so far. But I want to talk to you about death-defying courage. I mean, I think everyone watched Todd last night, nearly lose his head three times, and then slide off the back of that horse. and squat down in the spot where you're never supposed to stand by a horse. On a horse he just met. This high-level pucker effect watching that. (laughs) Like, what is he doing? He knows what he's doing. We're all thinking to ourselves... Never in a million years am I sliding off the back of a horse. And then just kind of wait for it. But therein proves his point. See, once a man faces his greatest fears... The music starts. (laughs) I want you to uh, figure out how to apply this death defying courage to the calling of your life because you've been called. You've been called, you've been anointed, and you've been assigned. You're on assignment in your life, and and your assignment changes, but your calling doesn't change. Your anointings grow, your assignments change, but your calling is who you are. It's what you're designed to be. It's it's how you're supposed to happen, and your calling as a man of God is shared by every man in this room. You're all on different assignments, and at the same time, many of you are on the exact same assignments. And then I want you to get good at being encouraging to each other. I think there, is, there really isn't anything more encouraging than to watch men run together to be a team to be a squad to be a brotherhood it's the way this is supposed to work it's the way you were designed to function as a tribe and yet the thing that we struggle the most with is feeling alone and isolated and it just means that we are out of sync with our design we're 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 wearing ourselves out prematurely. We're suffering unnecessarily. There's enough suffering in this world. It's a, it's, a, it's a mistake to do it by yourself, gentlemen. I just don't trust people. I don't trust them. I don't trust other men. I don't trust other women. I don't, I don't trust babies. I don't trust anybody. I just don't trust them. Bull. Bull, you just don't truth them wow. you don't truth people yeah. oh, <laughs> Come on. you're not honest with people you're not honest with yourself and you're not honest with other people that's why there'll be no trust established with anybody because there's no truth coming from you so you control your trust nobody else controls your trust because trust comes from truthing And you refuse to truth other people, you refuse to truth your wife, you refuse to truth your friends, you refuse to trust your father, you refuse to truth God, that's how you end up with a trust issue. Thanks for coming. You're welcome. I'm going to tell you a story. Um, my son in love over here, Ben, stand up. Get him away. Oh, <laughs> you know, get That's Ben. Yeah. Ben's from Australia, where um, there aren't very many guns. <laughs> so he came to America. And and we have, and we have armed him. And uh, ben, ben on his second hunt. His first hunt was for pheasants with dogs and shotguns up close. Except for Ben, Ben could hit him the farthest way. Like, boom, 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 boom. Everybody missed him. Ben. Boom. hundred-yard shotgun shot. I did it twice just to prove that it wasn't luck. Second hunt was to Kodiak Island up in Alaska and take him deer hunting on Kodiak Island. Yes Kodiak Island is where they make Kodiak bears. And so we get there a little bit early, and we have half a day that we didn't expect to have. So we, uh, we're staying on a 60-foot fishing boat so that we don't have to deal with what is natural on Kodiak Island in our tents. We jump in a Zodiac inflatable. We go onto the shore of Larson Bay, we get off. There's six of us there three Alaskans, three lower 48. Please help me. We teamed them up so each one has an instant increased odd of survival. And I teamed up Ben with the best guy that we had, Craig Mosley. Craig Mosley is like the Bear Grylls of Alaska was raised there, he'd been outside. His parents just threw him outside. They don't let him in the house. Was, he's just, just an amazing man, such a manly man. Yes. And he's such a brilliant animal with a godly heart. And I said to Craig, I said, dude, hey, I got one goal to end of this week. I need to bring Ben home alive, OK? Ben has got to come home alive or I'm going to have a lifetime of trouble with my daughter. Got it. So off we go. Off we go. That pair goes that way. Me and my guy go this way. And Ben and Craig go that way. And the four of us basically just went on a strenuous hike for hours. We came back. We get to the... The shore where the inflatable is going to come pick us up. And here comes Craig and Ben. And Ben has his first buck on his back. Like, no way. You got a buck the first afternoon. That's awesome. Way to go. Wow. So we're back in the boat and we're talking up and we're eating backstrap. And it's just so good. No, no, no. Fresh. Mm -mm -mm. And they start telling stories. I said, tell them about that that bear that chased you. So, Craig tells this story, and basically, there's this he thought he was coming up on a moose with a black powder muzzle loader. Comes up over, it's a big bear. Click, it misfires. Oh, no. He had one shot anyway, right? Oh, no. Now he's got a stick. <laughs> he's got a stick, and he is running, and he is screaming, As he is taken up off this hill, and he's got three other hunters with him, and they come running. Two of them, his boys. One of them was with us on this hunt, and they and they start. They start shooting this bear, and eleven shots later, this bear piles up at their feet. Next day, we get to the shore. These two guys go this way. Me and my go that guy go that way. Ben and Craig go that way. Me and my guy get two deer. These guys got a deer. We're at the shore. We're dressing them out. Inflatable comes, fixes up, takes us back. We get there. And there's Ben and Craig on, on the boat. We're like, hey, where did you get there? Um, no. No, we, uh. We went up a little farther than you guys, and uh, we saw some bears. We didn't want to deal with that, so we went up a little further, climbed up in this this ridge, and we're looking down on this big bowl. And we're glassing out there just see some movement over here, and uh, there's a bear about 700 yards across the bowl. Just looking at us. And Craig's like, hmm. That's not good. <laughs> and Ben goes, What's well, not good? He says, oh, that bear, he's just locked onto us. Dang it. <laughs> so Craig stands up and starts waving his arms Hey, bear, hey, hey, hey. It's people, not deer, because that's what they eat, right? We're hunting their food. They chase deer down and eat them.
0: Hey, Brave Co-Men. I want to talk to you about our Foundations of Masculinity 12-week video series that we created for the guy that wants to grow stronger as a man. If you want to become a better leader, a better father, a better husband, have better relationships, this course is for you. And here's the thing. You get 12 incredible videos that literally walk you through step-by-step on how to grow. You also have homework with each one um, that is honestly pretty effective. And lastly, you get access to our private Facebook group. We're on there chatting with you guys. You can ask questions. You can connect with other men that are just like you. Go to braveco.org to check it out and you can sign up today.
1: And like a switch, this bear just comes running for him. This bear is charging 700 yards through the brush. Now, the brush is this tall, right? So it looks like a car coming through the bushes. So Craig shoots a warning shot. Shoots another warning shot. It keeps coming. He shoots another warning shot. Keeps coming. About a... A hundred yards, which when a bear is coming at you, is not very far away. About a hundred yards, the bear stops, looks up over the bushes, looking for them, seeing if they moved. But they didn't. Why? I don't know. But they're still standing there. And he shoots a fourth warning shot. His gun is now empty. Ben is watching this whole thing. This is his first hunting trip. Craig starts loading his gun. Ben starts doing the math. Four plus four does not equal 11. And here comes that bear, and about 20 yards, which is the sound booth. That <laughs> bear stands up again. Now there's not much between that bear and them now, and they are both up on this bear. And Ben's like going, "What are we doing? What are we doing? What's next? What happens next?" <laughs> And Craig says, if that bear takes one step in our direction, we start shooting. And that bear drops and comes running at him. And Ben shoots and hits it in the shoulder, spins it, and Craig shoots and hits it in the neck. And that bear stops about 10 yards, rolled up. Two shots. And the four of us are listening to this story. (laughs) I'll just give you a little perspective here. That is uh, Lincoln, my grandson, laying on the bear before we hung it on the wall. So ben, you all right? And the captain of the boat said, well, I'm going to have to throw some more chemicals in the septic after Ben got done in there. <laughs> in a few moments, well, probably in a couple of hours, we, we processed for quite a while about that. And uh, one of the rods on the back of the boat starts bouncing and Ben goes back there and grabs it. Lands a 40-pound halibut. That's a pretty cool 24 hours for Ben. Yeah. <laughs> but I heard Ben and Craig talking later. And Craig said, I think out of that whole thing, What amazed me the most was you stayed. Mm. You didn't take off running. He because I've been with men in that situation, and they took off running. Mm. See, men with empty chests take off running. Now, Ben says it's because his legs didn't work. (laughs) (laughs) But really, it's because Ben is a man of great heart. And he said to Craig, he said, I wasn't going to leave you. He said, I trust you. i wasn 't going anywhere, and I trust you. See this is death defying courage. These are decisions that are made in the face of death this this is what we are designed to display again and again as men. That's what's in you. That's what lights you up. That's what gives you self-respect, actually, gentlemen. And when you run, when no one's chasing you, you don't even respect yourself. We took a picture of Ben laying around after all this.
0: I've I, I not posted it on
1: my Instagram, but... Why is this so important? It's so important because very naturally, we have a deep self-preservation to deal with. I I could argue that self-preservation was the original sin. I know know disobedience gets a lot of credit, but I think self-preservation drove that disobedience. Adam was afraid that he wasn't getting something for himself. He was tempted to become the rule maker. The temptation was God's afraid that if you disobey him, you'll be like him. See, God's the rule maker. God gave Adam one oppressive rule. Why? So that Adam would have a ruler. Just one rule. One. Don't do don't do the tree there. Just don't do it. Do everything else. Run around naked. I don't care. <laughs> Just don't do that. Why? Because I'm the rulemaker. And the temptation was: God's afraid that if you break his rule, you'll be the rulemaker. You'll be like him. And that is deep in the heart of men. It's deep in the heart of human beings. But I got a room full of men and two ladies I just noticed. We got a couple ladies. Sorry about that last picture. We are going to figure out ways to save ourselves. We're going to figure out ways to protect ourselves. We're going to figure out ways to justify ourselves. We're going to figure out ways to minimize other people. We're going to figure out ways to deny truth. We're going to figure out ways to be the master of our own universe. and only really be able to deal with people who agree with us. And so when confrontation comes, when truth comes, our self-preservation rejects the truth so that we can stay the rule maker. And I'm just talking to the pastors See, the key to our our freedom is really in our ability to practice sacrificial covenant. It's the antidote to self-preservation, is that I will develop my heart to protect love over being right or getting what feels good. over being the rule maker, over being my own comforter. I will stay right here and I will protect covenant. That's the best part of a man. The best part of a man is learning to love. Men actually are the standard bearers of love in the home. You are. You are the one who sets the standard of love in your family. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church and gave himself up for her. That's your job. It's not the lady's job to set the tone of love in the home. You don't like the level of love and affection in your home? get a mirror, and hit yourself in the head with it. There's the problem. Found it. I married the most loving woman I could find and sucked the love right out of her. She's been hardly but an empty shell, the woman I married. I fell out of love with her. That wasn't her job. It's your job. She wasn't built for that. You were built for that. You're the saturator of love in your home. Come on. You are the chief forgiver. You are the chief servant. You were built to thrive in sacrifice. And when you expect less of yourself, you dissolve yourself. You dissolve yourself in your own eyes. Because you know. You know that about yourself. Why death-defying law? Courage. Because that's what the heroes do. I mean, name a hero that didn't display death-defying courage. Not much of a hero. He's fast. That's about it. They're screaming, Maximus, Maximus, Maximus. Not because he was good at emails. Yeah, <laughs> we you know, we we are drawn to these displays of sliding off the back of the horse that you just met a half hour ago that tried to kick your head off three times. We lean into that and say, I want to see that in my life. I want to be like that. I want to face fear like that. I want to protect like that. I want to lead my sons and my daughters in that. I want you to apply this to your calling in life. I want you to take death-defying courage and apply it to who you were created to be. Stephen Mansfield, if you haven't read Man on Fire or Mansfield's book of manliness, then you need to go do that. He talks about tending your field. Essentially what he's saying is, what belongs to you? Who belongs to you? Who has God given you? What has God given you? Are you paying that much attention? Do you know you are mine to care for? You are mine. This is mine to steward. These are my responsibilities. We watched a horse learn responsibility, the ability to respond. We well, you watch this horse learn responsibility, be taken from what he thought was freedom, and learn to respond and become free. You're like, wow, that was such a brilliant illustration of what responsibility does. Who and what means that there are people and things that are yours. They're yours. And your leadership grows according to how well you handle people and things. But don't get them mixed up. Don't get people and things mixed up. Because things have a very specific relationship with you, things are for your consumption and for your pleasure. You tend to the grill because that thing is going in your belly and you can't wait. You can't wait to eat it, to consume it, all its goodness. You can't wait. I have a tractor, I get to ride a tractor. Ridiculous how satisfying it is <laughs> to just ride a tractor around. It's so much fun. It's You take care of your house and your land and your responsibilities. We have five acres at our house and it seems like something breaks every day. All day long, stuff is breaking. Trees fall over, (laughs) crush the fence. Couldn't have missed the fence, couldn't have missed the fence. No, all the animals are getting out. Thank you, tree. Oh, but the tree only, only half of it fell off. The other half's coming in three weeks. (laughs) On the other fence. (laughs) Why? (laughs) Because. Just because. It's just how this works. People, people are not for your consumption or your pleasure. People are for you to take care of, to love, to connect, to protect, to provide for, to nourish and to cherish. People in your life have a completely different relationship with you than the things in your life. And if you get those screwed up, they're going to let you know. See, we actually form attachments, deep attachments with the things that we love. So, when we love people, there are healthy bonds, soul ties. Soul ties are a goal for you as a man soul ties tying your heart to another human being being deeply attached enjoying each other experiencing great levels of joy experiencing great levels of satisfaction with other human beings it goes on to become your tribe it goes on to be your people it goes on to be your lessons about how you will conduct yourself But sometimes we bond with things. We bond with stuff. And where your treasure is, there will be your attachment. Don't get them mixed up. Gentlemen, don't get them mixed up. Don't let yourself do that. You can control things. You can't control people. Don't make it your objective. We love people and we manage things. Responsibility leads to great... Timer's not working, so I'm, I'm supposed to be done in. Good? Okay. We'll do a little, a little your okay. Just checking checking in with the boss. Yeah. My instrument panel just went blank. Whoa. Responsibility leads to freedom. You don't have freedom without it. you got to take care of what belongs to you. And it takes courage to do that. It takes courage to be the standard bearer of love in your home. It takes death-defying courage because it's going to kill you. It's going to kill you. You will not recognize yourself after you become famous for love starting in your home. A lot of people are great with strangers. Why? Because it costs you nothing. It's just your gift and operation. Be famous for love in in the relationships closest to you. That's where it's convincing. That's where you believe it yourself. That's where you quit making excuses. And, And don't be satisfied until you have that. Don't be satisfied until you have a reputation for love pretty much the only thing in life you have to worry about. Did you learn to love? And then I want you to give to other people. Why? Because everybody's got their own grizzlies, right? Everybody's facing their grizzlies. Oh, you're not just going to walk away and give up. You can get that. That's yours. Nobody else. Get in there and give it some heat.
0: Give it some heat. Get some heat. and you get it. You go right there and you get it hard. You get it. You get it. it. That's the one right there. You get it. Yes. All right.
1: Impart this courage to each other, gentlemen. Expect it of yourself first and then have something to give away. Don't just talk about it. Don't just preach about it. Don't just point at it. Don't just send a YouTube link. (laughs) Live it. Here's the deal, you're about to face two days of adjusting that's going to require your best. It's going to require the most courage that you've accessed in a while. And you're going to be dramatically impacted and you're going to carry out of this place repentance, You're going to take out of this place a a radical shift in paradigm. And you're going to say, hey, self, I expect more from you. I expect more from you here, here, and here. And you're going to get home, and you're going to walk in the door, and your head's going to bob just a little bit, like, uh-huh, uh-huh, I already changed. I already changed. I'm different than I was. And I'm home. And pow! Everybody left is still there. And they haven't changed. They're waiting for you. They're waiting for you. You had better take more than you home with you. Or pretty much everything you take home will leave. You had better have a plan of how you are going to carry this into your new life. That is why you've got to, to learn how to stick together. You've got to have a plan. You've got to know how to give courage. You've got to know how to receive courage. You've got to know how regular you've got to stay in this thing. Yes. And you're not going to do it by yourself. You suck at solo. You suck at it. <laughs> It's got the word low in it you've got to team up you've got to work together you gotta have a plan it's not going to just happen by itself i'll tell you something uh about four years ago i was up in portland uh met with uh, Uh, William Young, the author of The Shack. Uh, Bob Hassan and I were up there. Spent the day with him, just getting to know him a little bit. And um, he said something just in the course of the, you know, we we talked about a bunch of stuff. But the thing that really stuck with me was he said a, a friend of his had just come back. Billy Graham was still alive. And he was in his early 90s. And the, and the guy says, Billy, if you had it all to do over again, would you change anything? And Billy says, oh, yeah. He says, I, uh, I wouldn't have done any of the crusades. I wouldn't have done any of the big events. I would have poured my life into 12 men. I was traveling 200 days a year right then. I feel kind of stupid right now. I think that's a feeling I'm having. Stupid a feeling? Yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. I feel stupid. Yep, i just getting in touch with my heart. I would take 12 men and pour my life into them. Somebody else did that. Um, changed the world. Change the world. Want to do some math real quick? If I pour my life into 12 men, and each of them pour their life into 12 men, and each of them pour their life into 12 men, by the time you get to the sixth level, it's 2.9 million. That's church growth right there. I chose 12 men, and about a year ago, we started doing monthly Zoom calls. These are men that I know. These are, these are godly men. These are men that want to change the world. These are men that are doing a good job with their lives, In most of their lives, someplace, they're pooping their pants. But most of the place, they're doing a great job, all of us. We're doing a good job. with. We, we love each other. They don't know each other. They all know me. They're learning to, to know and love each other but we're just walking together, and there is a diligent plan every month that these guys will jump on this call, and they will share life together. They will touch base. They won't let themselves get what Stephen Mansfield calls rusty. Men tend to have rusty relationships where, yeah, yeah, I we got together, had a great time, hung out, played golf, went fishing. It was a great time. When was that? uh Oh, has it been three years already? Wow, I wonder how you're doing. I've been through a lot since I saw him last. Why? Because there's, there's no diligence to carrying each other. There's no strategy. There's no plan. We just hope it'll magically happen. We just hope that what's never happened will start happening. You know, high school, college, whatever it was, you had a group of guys, hey, well, we're together, because that's what we did together. A group of guys worked together, hey, that's what we do, we work together. Get away from that relationship, hey, I can't remember his last name. Why? Because there's no plan to do otherwise. The natural forces of atrophy will, will end that unless you have a plan to do something else. We, we, we schedule adventures. We're going to gather up. We're going to do this thing. We just we, in February we were in Alaska. Went to Alaska. Nine of us could make it. We went to Alaska. We rode snow machines. They're called snow machines, not snowmobiles. You get, you, you you call it a snowmobile? They give you a pink one. <laughs> snow machine. See the snow machine. We rode 65 miles into the lodge. We were there for five days. We rode a total of 300 miles on snow machines in Alaska. We could have died. We could have died, but we didn't. See how many of those? That's an adventure. That's an adventure. That's how you define an adventure. We could have died, but we didn't. And that's what I tell my wife when we get home. But we didn't. She says, because I prayed for you. Stupid man. Our families will know each other. They will love each other. They will grow together. They will build a legacy together. That doesn't happen by accident. I have inheritance and legacy in my life that I can give away because someone gave it to me and it wasn't my family. It wasn't my family. I'll tell you that stop story some other time, but I have received inheritance from having an opportunity to be connected to covenant relationships and other people don't have that. They will because of a generous, strategic, diligent intentionality. So gentlemen, make it your intention to impart your courage to one another and walk together. The death-defying courage is so necessary because your self-preservation will drive you to try to save your own life. And that's a promise from Jesus that didn't make very many refrigerator magnets. He who tries to save his own life will lose it. You're going to need that courage just to live up to who you've been called to be as a man of God. You're going to need to know how To face rejection, false accusation, criticism, misunderstanding, punishment. You're going to have to know how to face face what you're so deathly afraid of. The thing that kicks you into the worst you you got, you're going to have to cultivate courage just to be the man of God you've been called to be. Amen? All right. Whole, healthy, courageous men. Somebody say that. Whole, healthy, courageous men. Greatest need that we have. Greatest need that we have in society right now is whole, healthy, courageous men. They're the solution to fatherlessness. They're the solution to mass confusion. And there's, there's the solution to weak, sickly homes. They're going to heal our society and really, you've probably heard me say this a bunch of times, but whole healthy families are going to save the world. That's what I believe. All right, gentlemen, stand up. This is the starting line. After what you watched last night, just a, just a perfect illustration. I couldn't have done it better myself, Tom. <laughs> I wouldn't even have tried. It was fabulous to watch. But that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. This is a great-hearted man. And every one of you watching that and listening to him talk while he was doing it, you were saying to yourself, wow, I'm going to take some of that home with me. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right taking some of that home with you because you saw it. Now you do it because the way that men learn to be men is they do it. They do it. They don't just talk about it. They don't just watch it. They do it. And then they do it together because men learn to be men from other men. I learn to be a man from being around other men. I learn to be like those men from being around them. Women, girls become women. Girls become women because of biology, physiology. Boom, you became a woman today. Boom. Men, boys become men by learning from other men. You got to, you got to surround yourself with men that you love and respect. And then you got to have death-defying courage to stay part of it to stay in there, to work through the the struggles, to work through the conflicts, to work through the misunderstandings. We fight to build our love. That's what we do. So put your hand on somebody next to you. Just pray this prayer. Lord, help him. Help him, Lord help him, Lord. Do so, you hear what he said? That guy's, this guy's going to need some help right here. Let's help him. Help him deep. Help him long. Lord Jesus. Okay, now take your hand and put it on your heart. I'm going to pray for the guy that really needs this. Help me. Help me get this, Lord. Help me get this, Lord. And I would not get out of here untouched. In Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the Brave Co. podcast. If you like this podcast, would you please rate it, review it, leave us a great comment. And if you like this episode in particular, share it with your friends and family. That helps us to spread the word. Guys, stay brave. We'll see you next week.